The journey to healing, I think, is often much longer than we imagine. You think that the, you know, not that you think the journey's short, but you just, you know it's long, but you really can't see that far down the road. Maybe the road's very foggy, you can't see what's there. And it, it's only after going on and on and on do you realize how high those highs can actually be, how long that road is actually, how many more levels there are to go. And it's not bad, it's good, because you're doing more and more and you're getting better and better. But for me, uh, I don't think I understood back several years ago when I really wasn't in a good shape how far it could go. And well, there's still more to go, definitely. Aloha, my beautiful friends. My name is Krista Ralaksmidetan and coming to you from San Diego, California. Welcome to Abundance in Action podcast. And uh, I call myself New Time Coach. I believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we open it and activate our inner fairy tales, we can start to manifest them into this reality on our terms. Welcome to this week's episode. Yeah. And in case you would like to know more about the longer introduction to the guest um, of this week, please go back to the uh, episode one, um, part one with this uh, guest and you can get all the introduction. So right this uh, episode will jump in with the topic uh, so there will be no longer introduction here so enjoy and as always uh, please like share and comment and um, enjoy so one question which i think i may have and many also who probably um, in estonia are like following you uh, are you single and if you are single why are you still single you're such a great <laughs> man What's going on, Luis? <laughs> uh, uh, let's say it's complicated at this okay. current time. Uh, so let's leave are, it at that one. Uh, let's okay, just say you it's are complicated. exploring uh, options. Uh, you know, well, look, I've lived here for 10 years. I didn't come here for a woman. Uh, I came here because I like Estonia. And I realized that's the most like uh, incompatible, inconsistent unacceptable answer to most Estonians <laughs> like you come here because you like it like not for a woman like nah bro I just kind of like it uh it would be easier for me to just say oh no 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 I came here for a woman and it had shut most people up but no I came here because I like it uh you know and, and that means I live a life and I, I've had you know relationships over the years and uh it's probably easier right now to just say I'm in a complicated situation and uh, but I'll work okay. it out okay what uh, what would you say how have you experienced Estonian women of course we can't generalize because we are so different but you have seen some similar maybe um, things popping up which you would like to share how how do you experience Estonian women you have to deal with them with your business and you know in everyday life and you've met many people also different scenes and different work and jobs and um, different um, yeah areas and lifestyles mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well I mean outside of uh, outside of dating and relationships people are people 
I, I don't think there's any sort of super difference between Estonian men, Estonian women, I don't know, women and men from different countries or something like that. Uh, my, my, my company in, in our office, uh, we have uh, three, three women, no, wait, two women and two men right now, actually, yes. Maybe uh, bringing a colleague back after maternity leave soon. So we've got a fairly equal gender balance. Um, in our stand-up comedians, we do lack a gender balance, and that's something that we're trying to change. Uh, it's harder because with our comedians, um, you need to, well, not everyone can be a comedian, and uh, you can give all the advantages in the world, but it, they still have to have the talent and the drive and the want to be that artist. So changing the gender balance in art, I think, particularly takes time. So we have a bunch of uh, very talented young ladies coming up through our open mic ranks, and we're giving them as many opportunities to grow as we can, be supportive. We have been running a show specifically for women and LGBT uh, people of color as well, uh, which is, I don't know, some sort of first in Estonia or a particular stand-up show uh, for those communities. And I'm very happy about that as well um, because I understood, uh, you know, if, if you see a comedy Estonia stand-up show and you just see a bunch of big dumb boys on stage, well, sure. Uh, look, I, we welcome anybody in. And I think we're quite a meritocracy. If you're good, you get help. And I, I really hope, I really think uh, the women in our group would vouch for that. But I do understand that if you come to a show and you only see big dumb boys on the stage, that you can get a certain impression uh, about our group and about the art form. And I really do want to change that, but it's, it's a long process, but I'm quite committed to it. Um, Estonian women in general, uh, very strong, very strong, very independent uh, women, I would say. Um, used to doing things, uh, you know, there is a stereotype. And I, then again, I don't want to be disrespectful of, disrespectful of the Estonian man either and say that often in, in the past and in the history, it's women who had to take charge here. It's women who had to kind of get things done, maybe in the older days, take care of the house. And, uh, you know, there is a stereotype from the older days that maybe the father was a bit more of an alcoholic and mom was really the one making everything happen. So, there's definitely this strong vein of independence, str strength that r runs through uh, Estonian women. Um, what other qualities there? It uh, it can take some getting to used to as a foreign man. Uh, to any Estonian, not just Estonian women, yeah. any Estonian. Yeah. It's because, see, Americans and Australians, right, they're all about the first impression. Oh, you got to look good on the first impression. Got the first impressions are important. No, no, no. Estonians are about the second and the third. First time you meet an Estonian, they're like, they're looking at you. They're quiet. They don't say much. But second and third time, ah, oh, they're talking to you and they know you now. And so I think it, 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 especially if you're a foreign guy, you're trying to meet an Estonian woman, maybe trying to date an Estonian, you have to keep, just let them warm up a bit. It's not necessarily going to be like you expect uh, with a woman from America or something to be really straight up with the emotions straight away. So I think there, there's some cultural things to get adjusted to rather than just, it's just an Estonian thing, not necessarily a woman thing. I think yeah. there. 
And knowing Estonian uh, history too, I because I work so closely and deeply, especially with so many Estonian women, it's um, also, you know, with the Second World War and men were like taken away or sent to Siberia and all of these things. Uh, later years, men went to other countries to work. So uh, women were left behind oftentimes to take care of everything. And it's also, I think, um, which is coming to me like energetical message or stuff, you know, during the Second World War and also later after we were occupied by Russia, we had this, um, it's almost like invisible, but it's still, you can feel it, it's present there, that there is this cultural carefulness, you know, I don't know who I can trust, you know. Of course, we don't have KGB anymore, but, you know, people are still like, I don't know, like, you know, maybe someone is spying on me or like, you know, and it's energetic. It's there. You you just like it's um, it's so like you almost like feel like you've got it with, you know, your mother's milk, you know, <laughs> and then there's nothing you can really do about it unless you like consciously like become aware, like, oh my God, this is really holding me back and this is stupid and it doesn't serve me anymore. And then you start to like release it. And um, I think that's prob probably also what you are sensing there as a foreigner. And when I brought uh, Michael, my husband to Estonia, so he was so shocked the first time a couple of years ago I was like what's going on here you have all these beautiful women they all so independent so like educated taking good care of themselves and they don't have a good relationship like what's going on <laughs> I, I have a, a little bit of a theory about that actually okay cool let's uh, hear it we can let's see let's i don't know if it look I'm not, I'm no psychologist here. Let's keep in mind I'm a comedian when I start saying these things. But I've always thought that there was something in Estonian women that uh, something switches around uh, the maybe mid to late 20s. It used to be earlier. Now it's getting a bit later. I don't know, mid to late 20s, 30. I'm not sure. Something like that, right? Maybe even earlier is that Estonian women are super independent. Ah, I don't need you. I'm doing my own thing. I'm making it all happen. I'm studying, job. I can do all of that. And then at some stage, the biological clock goes off like an atom bomb over Hiroshima. Boom. And the social pressure kicks in. And there's a, a 50 years of communism kicks in. And all of a sudden, it's I need to get my hands on the closest dork around me. Who's, oh, you're here? You, you, sir, you Estonian guy, you want to live within the borders of the Republic of Estonia? You'll do. Uh, and then they grab him. So, yeah, I could see a change. Anyway, I'm exaggerating for humor, but I uh, definitely I was noticing some change in my friends. Uh, certainly, you know, we all grow a little older and our biological clocks kick in. But, uh, you know, it's a tough thing because for all of us in this country, uh, and you've escaped it, Crystal, all of us, we have a small gene pool and a small dating pool. You can get to the end of Tinder in about 17 swipes in this country. There's not an endless supply of suitable partners around. And I, I, I think it's an interesting factor. Yeah. And that's like, um, uh, I'll share with you, uh, my listeners have heard that, but uh, that's one of the reasons why I left Estonia. I actually traveled consciously. I was so desperate. I was looking for my Mr. Right. I traveled to 30 countries. I was like, 
where the heck is he? Like, you know, almost <laughs> like, give me that man, you know? And then after some time, I understood like, this is the least like working uh, strategy. I have to just like, let go. Like if I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life, I know at least I'm in love with my work and what I do and how I can help people. I have that. So if I don't have the man, that's fine, you know? And I put it on the side. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done with it. And one month later, I was in the Mexican village, like a fishing village. And uh, he sails in with his white sailing boat. And then, of course, he was in the mess. I was in the mess. I was not looking. He was not looking. And then we meet. And I'm like, oh, my God, I I think he's my guy. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, this is something is going on. It took us a year to figure out and finalize our past, but um, this is how we met. An Estonian girl in the fishing village in Mexico and a Southern Californian guy, you know, is like, what are the odds? And (laughs) none of us, both of us, we were not looking. And here we are, you know, married and uh, co-creating businesses and stuff. So it's like a, it sounds like a fairy tale, but that's that's happening if you choose it so if it's not enough you can go out (laughs) sure that's it it. well you know that's it but i'm look i'm just as trapped as any other estonian now people like you can go home like well sure but i ain't lived in australia for 15 years my business my friends my everything is here right now so i uh you know make the best you've got and uh i'm trying to grow as an individual myself uh, to learn to accept love, uh, learn to accept people uh, into me as well. That's something that I've struggled with, uh, had a lot of struggle with as, as successful as my life and my creativity. My personal life has not been as successful uh, over the years. And to I'm an only child, I'm kind of pretty emotionally closed off. And to learn how to accept people in, to learn... Uh, to not put up those barriers and it's, um, you know, it's an ongoing process and it's hard and it takes a lot of, it's hard. It's taken a lot of failures and I've screwed up a bunch of shit over the years and I'm not really proud of my retarded emotions and the ways that that has set me back in life. Um, And, you know, hey, uh, but uh, for example, one of the benefits of Estonia is that, we have uh, a great uh, healthcare system here. And in this country, we all have public healthcare. And under that public healthcare, we are eligible to a certain number of subsidized therapy sessions with a certified therapist. And that's what I do. You know, I'm on the healthcare and I get those subsidized sessions from the healthcare. And I think it's a great thing. And it's definitely becoming in Estonian society more acceptable. Uh, the first time that I ever thought that I needed uh, to talk to somebody. I was living in Estonia about 12, for a little while, for about, this is something about 11 or 12 years ago. I was living here and I was having problems with the winter, dark, uh, (laughs) always with the relationship problems. And I just couldn't find an English speaking therapist, someone who could do that for me. And, And now over the last couple of years, five years ago, I was seeing someone. Now again, I'm, you know, I think it's a, you know, I'll admit, Someone I have to do. I need to go see a therapist. I think it should be more normalized. And that though, my point is, sorry, that those things are readily available in English now. 
in Estonia. And for me, that's a great thing. And I think it's a great sign of the evolution of Estonian society that uh, it's in English and that that's a really kind of much more normal thing. Yeah. And one thing also, as um, I stopped my chase for Mr. Right, um, I really looked deeply into myself and like, okay, so what is it I am looking for here? And what is it I have done, which has not obviously been working? So when I looked back, I understood that myself and many of the men I met, what was going on was that, you know, we are so like set so often, like what are we looking for and what kind of person we want to meet. So once you meet someone, it almost felt like that person was taking their uh, picture of who they want to meet and then putting me into their frame. And I was doing the same with them. And it never really worked <laughs> because then I didn't allow that person to be who they were. And also the opportunity to grow and figure out, you know, what's actually there for us um, in an open way couldn't even like uh, appear. So I completely let that go and started to look into myself uh, like, like you are saying now and like understanding that there are patterns inside of me, which I have to change and take responsibility and then um, the change can come. And How one did of you the do things- that? How did you like, at a practical level, was it that you first identified that and then you tried to be conscious of when you were doing those behaviors or what were some of the sort of, because look, yeah. I'll, you know, I'm doing, I'm, that's exactly where I'm at right now. And yeah. I'm just wondering what so, you might have done. Yeah. Yeah. My, my process was uh, one of the first things I realized was that I had been going against myself and not taking care of myself. So in relationships. So I was so in need of love and acceptance and all of that. Um, and then I jumped into relationships and I didn't really uh, clarify what I was looking for and what were the things I needed and how and so on. So what I did, I wrote down something I call a self-declaration list for myself. Like, okay, so in case I'm going to date a guy. So I had so many negative experiences with married men. So I put there um, that, you know, if I meet a married man, then um, they need to get um, uh, yes, okay for their partner to meet me as well. Because I'm, I'm also, I've tried uh, several times also to be in polyamory relationships. So several relationships going at the same time. So um, if some person who is married is interested, they have to get a yes from their partner and then there will be no secrecy. Everything will be transparent. I know like where we are. And um, that was a huge game changer because um, and then also if that person said, okay, my partner is not okay. And I, they were really interested in me. So I said, okay, so if you're really interested in me and you see a future with me, I want to see your divorce paper. And uh, that was actually the case when we met with Michael because he was uh, getting out from the last marriage, which was 23 years. And suddenly her partner uh, was unfaithful and he accidentally found a picture of her, you know, kissing another man, which was somewhere in the cloud, wasn't supposed to be even found. And it was a shock for him because he's a good man. He's a kind man. And they had a good relationship and out of the blue, like kaboom, you know. And uh, so it took time for him to figure these things out. And then when we met, I was like kind of a rebound and backup. And then I was like, 
no, I'm worth more. I'm a queen. Like, you know, <laughs> I have so many good qualities. So I want to be the number one for a man. So I had to uh, realize that inside of me. And then I could also tell uh, the future partner that this is where I am and this is what I'm looking for. And then I said, if you're interested in me and your old one is done, I would like to see your divorce paper before we proceed to more intimacy and stuff. So, and that was what he did. And then we took it to the next level. And um, while this was going on, I actually was invited into Al-Anon. Um, uh, people who don't know what this is, this is a um, group which is part of like AA group. Um, you go there if you have had experiences in your family or in your partners who have had uh, drug issues or alcohol issues and so on. And that was my case that my parents were both alcoholics. I had from Estonia, you know, that was how we grew up, you know, in the late 70s. So so I had copied so many of the survival mechanism, emotional mechanisms in my body and in my system that all of my relationships were in the end like crashing because I didn't know how to handle it. And I started to enable my partner. I attracted so many uh, drug addicts and alcohol issue people and so on. So I realized I have to work through that as well, like to understand how this disease has actually, you know, uh, influenced me and my life and my patterns. And that's what I did. I really took it seriously. I went deeply in. Michael even came to several of the meetings. I was in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico at the time. So they had English speaking groups and I started to go there every week and really take it seriously, going uh, deep and understanding like, oh my God, I had no idea. I had worked with myself 20 years as a therapist and, you know, coaching and so on. And I still was so messed up. I was like, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and then um, the next step from there was actually, you know, uh, once I was clear what I want also, one huge thing which I put into my self-declaration, I put there, when I meet a guy or a woman, because I'm bisexual too, so uh, when I meet a person, I want to get to know them really well before I jump into the bed. Because once you jump into the bed, your chemicals take over and you're not really, uh, you know, able to think clearly anymore. So I want to get to know them at least a month or two without sex, like really get to know them. If they last that long, they are the people I want to stick with. If they don't last, then okay. So that's probably not my gig. And were so, you Crystal, making that clear? Because that can be confusing for a guy. She's like, does she yeah. like me? Am I just hanging around like a loser? Like, did you were you able to yeah. communicate that? <laughs> yeah, I did. And uh, what was really funny, once I uh, put that sentence into my declaration, what happened was, uh, universe started to, to just bombard me with all kinds of guys who wanted to just, um, you know, meet up and have sex with me. And I had to really like, you know, test myself and say like, no, this is my new, new, um, you know, uh, agreement with myself. And uh, this is what I'm doing. So if you're interested to get to know me more and see what's here, uh, you are welcome to hang around. If not, bye bye. So find yourself someone you can have a night one night stand. I'm not the girl, so I'm done with that. 
that way, you know. And then also realizing that I didn't just want a man. I wanted, you know, a smart man who I could co-create with and be connected on every possible level, you know, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and also business-wise. I had tried so many business projects in Estonia, in Norway, in Mexico, now in United States, you know. I wanted someone who knows business well, like, you, you were saying, you know, artistic type. I'm like complete crazy artistic type, like hippie style, you know. Um, and then I even sometimes was looking like how I managed the business because it was just like, um, it, it, even when Michael came in, it's like, okay, uh, show me the spreadsheets. I'm like, what are spreadsheets? <laughs> so, you know, so here it was like, you know, we are co-creating and coming into that, wow, like I brought that strong spiritual intuition, what's good, what do people need right now? And Michael brought in that, you know, uh, business, like like you were saying. So kind of like marriage made in heaven, you have both strong feminine and strong masculine and coming together. So, but even with Michael, you know, once we started to get to know each other, we were like, I felt like we had to do, uh, like a love internship to really like test it out whether we work together are we like compatible so while living in the same cultural center in uh, Mexico we tested each other we did some co-creation project in the local community center and figured out like how these things were like going and after this showed that okay this really works we sat down and we wrote a five-page agreement with each other what is it we are looking for um, in a relationship? How we re are responsible for things which are our responsibilities and how we are going to communicate uh, all the necessary things about the money, uh, practical things. We wrote it all down and then we signed. And um, from that day on, we actually went back to that agreement once a year and then went through if we needed to change something and everything is clear. And it made me feel much more secure and safe than the marriage or the wedding ring, you know, because everything has been clarified. We are clear, like, this is who I am, this is what I want. And then if something changed, we will just put it into the agreement. So hmm. that has been my path. <laughs> That's a very powerful thing you were just talking about, this agreement. I think it's something yeah. not many people would do. Uh, and I can see the sense behind it. I can see how there are times in my life where something like that would have helped to work through it or to be clear to, uh, clear about something. That is yeah. And I also realized so many times, especially um, in Estonian culture, that it was like this, I think it's the generational thing, you know, the old way, like we just presume I assume that you think or you need and then it's just all this mess of assuming and presuming and I'm thinking and then I have no idea what the other person is like you know actually needing or need or, or wanting and then once we had this open communication like I, I told like Michael like listen you know I've had so many relationships I'm done with this like jump, jumping ship from ship to ship and and I just, I want to co-create, I want to co-create a huge something, you know, and if you are the guy and you see a potential, then let's do it. If not, then that's fine, no hard feelings, you know, and yeah. uh, we 
just go our ways. And um, he jumped on board and um, it has been an amazing journey, like in so many ways. I could have never imagined like um, there is a guy even like him because uh, Michael, is, um, he grew up in Santa Barbara and his dad was um, the manager of Baltimore which is like the four seasons right now, but um, he was there like hanging there all the time. So he learned a lot about politeness and uh, consideration and all of these things, which none of the, I'm sorry, there are those Estonian men, but none of the Estonian men I had <laughs> never gave that to me. And when I met Michael, like I was swept off the feet. So that was amazing. So. It's nice that you, you've managed to do that. I, I think that you've also outlined some very practical things that people can do to, yeah. uh, it's certainly something, I mean, that contract thing, it's something I'm going to give some thought to in, in whatever form that might be, that can be customized, these ideas, obviously they're not exactly for everyone, but yeah. some version of that, that general idea does sound like a fascinating one that I'm going to, yeah, I, I could see how these things and to be, to be more clear and uh, yeah. So, uh, and I also believe that you know, uh, you are such a powerful man, Louise. Like, if you get the right woman next to you who is also, uh, maybe even can co create with you, like, your business will go even bigger and, and stronger because you have that outside feminine who is there. And, uh, in my case, also, I'm a much better businesswoman now. I even have, you know, uh, schedules and calendars and Excel oh, sheets yeah. and stuff <laughs> I didn't have before. And when I realized, oh, my God, this makes my life easier. Why, why the heck didn't I use it before, you know? And I even, you know, studied secretary work in Estonia for two years. And I think that's one of the bases which has helped me to cover and go through with lots of business stuff for years. But, but they didn't teach us time management like da like time management um come on like this is the the most crucial thing about anything you know so um so here here you go so yeah, I, I think really um yeah with that with I was also interested in the earlier part of your story because you said that uh you you found it, it difficult that the your childhood experiences you could see how they were being reflected in your adult relationships and for you that was growing up in a, a family with alcohol abuse and that led you to either have destructive patterns yourself or be attracted to those with destructive patterns. Uh, I, I can see within myself that, uh, look, I don't know if mom and dad you're watching. I'm sorry for putting everything across here, but you know, my mom and dad were lovely people, lovely, lovely people, but we do have emotional connection problems. We do have a difficulty to open up emotionally to one another. And that did lead me to be a bit closed off myself and that has has led me and i can see now there is a pattern to being continually closed off and i think i'm fine i'm fine what's the problem i'm all right but i'm not getting any closer if i do have this goal to form this longer relationship this relationship that enhances two people i'm not really proceeding towards it and that okay so the point was that you were unable you're almost you're saying you're unable to accept in that love or accepting love from people because of the problems that you had from your family. And that, and that's kind of where I feel I'm at right now. I, I'm sort of starting to dig to the bottom of this, that uh, I'm pushing people away. I'm creating tension where there isn't tension. 
and it's so unconscious that I'm not, you know, I've, I write, I think, I analyze, uh, and it still has come so slow to me. And I think mm-hmm. for me, uh, it sounded like for you, these, uh, the, the sessions, the family AA, I've heard of that before. It sounds like a positive thing. Uh, I'm trying to talk to my parents more, trying to connect with them. And, and for me, I think for many years, I harbored some difficult emotions toward them due to that environment. Uh, you know, the, my teenage years, there was a lot of yelling in my house and uh, it wasn't fun. And I think yeah. I harbored a lot of anger towards them. I harbored a lot of, uh, you know, resentment at that time and, and could say like, well, I'm fucked up and I don't have a good relationship because I never saw one and, and I wasn't taught how that is. So, and for many years, I, uh, you know, I, I wanted the answers out of my parents. I was like, you know, come on. This is, I need you to wise up on this. I need you to level with me. I need you to tell me. And it was, you know, because I was angry and it's almost like I was going, I was going right down the middle at them. And this was not working. This no. was not the way to get people to admit to the difficulties they've had, to the uh, emotional problems they've had, certainly for people who are already a bit closed off. And I had to, uh, had to admit that I'm not going to get, at first I had to say, I'm not going to get that resolution out of them. Like uh, I'm not, it's, it's just, I'm not, they're not going to say sorry to me. They're not going to talk about what happened there. And I'm just going to have to live with that. And I had to accept that. But then I started to just think, all right, I'm going to talk to them. You know, because if I don't talk to them, they're on the other side of the world. They're, you know, they're, we've all got, We've all got only so many years left, all of us. There's, I, I better just talk to them. And so I started to just talk to them. And I didn't think it would happen, but just g- so gently and so slowly through those conversations do I feel like something is coming out. And it's almost like rather than attacking down the middle, I'm coming around the side a little bit. I'm just coming at them gently around the side. And it's certainly a process, but I feel like it's getting there not being so blunt because you you can already see in me I'm energetic I'm gonna tell you right down the middle exactly what I think and skills of subtlety are something that have not come easy to me in my life and I do feel that part of my healing process and the way that I'm going to be a better person in my relationships is to keep this very subtle healing with my parents just through conversation uh, and just keeping it up regularly. So, um, yeah, it, it's healing, trying to heal that initial difficulty that you have, trying to heal that and then move forward. But it's not at all obvious how to, you know, you had for years not knowing how to patch that bit up for you, like that basis. So it's, uh, it takes a while. Yeah, I I saw... Um appreciate for you to open up and share this uh, so vulnerably um, because um, for a man it's it's a huge thing um, and uh, when I look back at uh, my story on that level you know you are so lucky that your parents are still alive um, both of my parents are gone uh, my dad died of uh, liver and uh, lung cancer uh, was gone within a week um, just um, almost uh, 10 years ago now. 
and my mom uh, her body was found by the river no one knew like what happened so that was how they were gone and as this happened I realized you know alcohol is bad I quit like drinking any kind of alcohol uh, that moment when my mom was found and I was like okay I'm I'm done but you know when this disease is inside of you when you quit alcohol or when you quit other things you have been uh, you know uh, like disease-wise uh, attached to or dependent on they will find other ways like in my case it it came into my eating habits or emotional eating or relationship or sexual addiction or whatever you know different ways it was like trying to uh, get into me and into my life and when I started to look deeper into it what was really fascinating to me and if we have parents here listening uh, this is something they can do for their children you know the first six years kids are actually like um sponges they just take in everything what's around them they have no filter their subconscious just uh, you know uh, takes in whatever comes in and the first six years I was living with my dad and mom they were still together and all they did was uh, drinking it was very common thing that I was in the kindergarten and I was uh, left there because no one uh, remembered to come and pick me up you know and think of abandonment issues like starting or the other time me and my sister we were left at home we lived on the second floor and we were locked in alone and then we wanted to go out and we jumped out of the window second floor it's like oh my god <laughs> like <laughs> <Soviet ship. laughs> yeah and uh, you know stuff like that and then um as i started to look deeper into it i came over to you know, as, a, as you study anthropology, you start to like see the world and you start to see universal things in people and cultures and so on. And um, one of the things I came over was uh, the Jungian theory about the inner child. So I started to work with the inner child. And then later, I actually connected with my inner woman and inner man. And I started to really communicate with them. So the inner woman is someone who is connecting with your, you know, your uh, divine feminine, your intuition, your ideas, uh, all of the stuff with the feminine stuff. And even you as a man, you have an inner woman, you know. And then the inner man is the structure and the business guy and the uh, schedules and exercise sheets and, you know, all that. So my inner woman started to really it almost feels like what are you talking about like invisible friends crystal like it they became real and that was like the other tool for me to start to have these um, inner uh, conversations and also have it in such a healing way that I actually started to slowly step by step come out of it and the moment when Michael met me now five years ago and the person and the queen I am today, it's like day and night. I was this, it, it's almost like a savage woman and like so like two extremes and drama and like all of this. And now I'm just like this mature woman who is like just looking at things or if people are like, you know, emotionally like having their raptures or whatever, I'm just like observing taking my moment, uh, maybe even like taking a time out and coming back and be like, what happened to you, Krista? <laughs> so, so this is the way, like, I think 
looking into deeply into yourself, whatever way works, whether it's talking to a therapist or working with your inner family, um, is the way. And um, as I was going into it, people, my clients started to ask me, like, Crystal, can you teach me how you do this? Because it seems like it's working in your life and you're making so many miracles happen. And then I started to create an inner family coaching program, which has been now going for four years. And people sign up for, you know, every inner family has a member has one month. So it's a four months program. They go through it and their lives change, like on every level, sexuality, relationships, uh, health, life mission and abundance. You know, everything goes into a new level. And that's, I think, what we are here to talk about today, abundance in action, looking deeply into yourself and see what are those treasures. Like in your case, you started with IT and then you realized, oh, my God, I have the comedy guy inside of me. I can be the talent talent manager guy. And then, wow, I can actually make money with those things, you know. So you put it all into works and now your life is abundance in action. You are example for all of us that, you know, even as an Australian, you can make it work in Estonia, not even speaking the language. Like, how is this even possible? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just do it. Yeah, you could just make it happen. But thank you for those kind thoughts. And it certainly is a long journey for all of us. And uh, the, the journey... I have a suspicion as well. I understand we need to wrap it up soon probably, but the, uh, to not to go on and on and on. But the the journey to healing, I think, is often much longer than we imagine uh, when yes. we're in those times, like maybe you were saying like five years ago or a little bit more. You think that the, you know, not that you think the journey's short, but you just, you know, it's long, but you really can't see that far down the road. Maybe the road's very foggy. You can't see what's there. Yeah. And it, it's... Only after going on and on and on do you realize how high those highs can actually be, how long that road is actually, how many more levels there are to go. And it's not bad. It's good because you're doing more and more and you're getting better and better. But for me, uh, I don't think I understood back several years ago when I really wasn't in a good shape how far it could go. And, well, there's still more to go, definitely. Yeah. And thank you. That's, that's, again, we come back to that patience thing and, you know, accepting your own uh, humanness that, you know, things take time and you have to be patient and the consistency thing too, like with your business, the comedy um, Estonia wouldn't be what it is today if you hadn't been consistent, right. And patient and all of these uh, virtues there. So so thank you so much, uh, Luis, for your time, for your insights and um, also um, amazing presence. Like we need more men like you in Estonia. Definitely. I'm so glad you are there and doing your job and um, creating your little raptures with uh, little comedy and everything you do. So before we wrap it up, I have one more question. So right. let's say um, your time has come to end on this planet, what's the legacy you would like to leave behind? Uh, I mean, I guess literally, I hope that my legacy is that uh, Estonia has an ongoing and amazing stand-up comedy scene. And you might go, well, well what do we care about stand-up comedy? It's, it's, I believe stand-up comedy is a hugely important art form. It's a free expression. Anyone 
can stand on a stage and communicate to 10, 50, 100 people, uncensored message of whatever your thoughts might be, the world, life, yourself, politics, you know, as long as it's funny, as long as it's funny, you have this free, I, I don't, and I don't censor comedians. I don't look at their scripts or something like that. And I think that is a wonderful art form. I think it's really important to a society as it grows up that there's this place that people can have this free expression. And we're trying to make sure that what we do here is bigger than me, bigger than the rest of us right now. And we're definitely thinking, we think of our whole careers. How can we go from here until the final days? And how can this entity and this uh, program and, and unit that we've built, how can this outlive us? And that's what I hope is my legacy. Yeah, I actually, um, that's an amazing thing. And I think Estonia needs it so much. I actually just got the thought, like, I don't know if you have thought of it, but maybe you guys should talk to Haige Gassa in Estonia so that they could prescribe, you know, comedy Estonia to their clients. I mean, I mean, I mean, everyone in Estonia needs more laughter, right? Look, we'll be happy. People just come buy a ticket for the show. That's yeah. come buy a ticket. It's only like 10, 15 euros. It's not very expensive. Yeah. And uh, that is the, the easy way to get the, what the doctor ordered. Yeah. So how can people find out more about you and Comedy Estonia? Sure. If you're in Estonia, you probably know what's going on anyway. You know how to find Comedy Estonia online. Uh, you can find me zezeran.com. Just do a Google Lewis Estonia. You'll see me and, and the different things that we do. I'm not, I'm not too shy. I'm not too hard to find. Yeah. And what's your last message to our viewers and listeners? Hmm. My last message to you guys, ah, just uh, um, take a moment to consider the other person's point of view. You know, in the world today, everyone's yelling at each other. Everyone's like, nah, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. Da, da, da. How, ask yourself every day, how can I take that step back and detach from this moment and think about what they said? And maybe there's maybe they're wrong, but maybe there's something right in what they said. Maybe they're not as annoying as you thought. I think that in today's, particularly online with the social medias and all of this, it's amplifying everything. How can you detach and calm down and consider what the other person says a little bit more? Yeah, that's such a good point. Thank you so much, Luis. And uh, I wish you all the best with all of the programs and projects and i can't wait to see you and meet you in person and introduce my beautiful king and uh, come to your shows that'd be lovely anytime <laughs> thank you for the podcast yeah. crystal yeah so and all the viewers and listeners we had enough material for two episodes so this will be very exciting and please listen and uh, also comment share and leave the beautiful review if this really touched and inspired you and till the next time, um, be amazing and be aloha. Thank you.